Hey there, this is In-Depth, Episode 3. I'm Mike Rundle. And I'm Eli Schiff. And we would like to thank our sponsor, The Print Handbook. They understand that what you see on screen is not what you'll see from the printers, so they made a book to help. It's rammed full of print examples and stuff you should have been taught in college. Some people have said, it's like the annoying studio know-it-all, but a book, so not as annoying. You can get your own print handbook wherever you live for £9 or roughly $12 at printhandbook.com. Go to printhandbook.com and use the promo code INDEPTH with no space for a free pack of greeting cards with any order. That's promo code INDEPTH at printhandbook.com. We've got a special guest, uh, Mark Edwards of the Mac and iOS shop, Django. You'll know him from iStat Menus, Scallop Preview. He has a bunch of design articles and templates and a series of incredible icon speed runs. He's also building a design tool called Scala. And welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me on. Is it pronounced Scala or Scala? I, I'm, I'm a terrible accent New Yorker, like upstate New Yorker. So please tell me it's, it's Scala, right? Just say it however you want. I say Scala. Um, <laughs> one of the, the main developers on the project actually says Scala. I don't Ooh. care. It doesn't matter. Okay. It doesn't matter. I like it. <laughs> Very cool. So the topic for today is going to be uh, design tools. And you want to start yeah, sure. things off? Um, yeah, so first, you know, thanks for coming on. Uh, I know we uh, <laughs> had to figure out the time difference because you're in the uh, the better side of the world over there in the future. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I know, you know we've known each other for a long time, and something I've, I've really respected is, um, you know, your kind of intimate familiarity with design tools, the the, the nuances, uh, the shortcuts. Um, and what, I, what I'm super interested in is kind of hearing your opinion on, where do you see the big gaps in what's out there today? You know, where where do you think the blind spots are in the industry and the in the opportunities? I, I guess the, if if we step back a second and and maybe we want to ask the question like, what is a design tool? What what do we want out of these things? For for me, I think there's sort of three main um, three main jobs to be done or core abilities that are that are needed. And, and the first one is kind of visual design, which obviously is less important these days, it seems, but um, was was more important. Previously, there's sort of layout. If you talk about layout, you, I'm, I'm really talking about um, responsive layouts and how things are going to fit on all devices and, you know, the sort of rectangles and circles and typography type stuff and the, the, the design system type stuff. And then I think we also have prototyping and prototyping is kind of gaining an overview of the entire flow, animation, user testing, presenting. Um, so I, th- I think these things are all quite different and there's different tools that, that have um, certain qualities that are, that are better or worse when you, when you look at them through each of those three different, different lenses. Um, certainly visual design, it seems like the, the newer tools that we have now they are, if anything, they're probably lacking more in visual design in terms of, you know, masking, styling, drawing with clump, complex paths, Boolean operations. Right. Um, and, you know, the, the kind of things you need for for uh, designing icons, app icons, but also, you know, icons within within the app and glyphs and other stuff. Um, so it's sort of, it's, it's obviously there's so many different aspects to, to the, the job of designing software, that, whether that's being done by a designer or by whoever, um, that I, I think... I think what we have now is quite fragmented, but I wouldn't be surprised if it stays that way because I just think there's such a diverse set of needs that I, I really just don't... I, I know a lot of people are kind of wanting one super design tool to do everything for them, um, but I, I think the problem is that most people have a different opinion on what should be included and and what should be left out, and I just don't know if that one super tool can can exist and i don't know if it's a good thing to even want yeah it feels like every design tool is is converging into some close approximation of every other design tool yeah uh, they have you know simple vector shapes and kind of all the same styles and they have the drag line between these two things prototyping uh it just feels like they're kind of coalescing around some weird interpretation of what the ideal tool should be um do you think the industry is moving in the right direction, um, you know, where the, the coalescing line might be, or do you think we've veered off course somewhere in the last few years? I, 
I definitely say we veered off course, but I, I think it's it's again it's important to ask what what do you want from this thing? Is it something that is supposed to be closer to development? Is it supposed to give you something that is um, production ready in terms of assets or code, or is it supposed to be closer to kind of marketing and management where you're trying to answer whatever it is business questions or or user testing questions? But all of those are valid, but it's it's. It's just a matter of what you kind of personally want from a tool. And prototyping is a great example because there's such, if anything, prototyping probably has the, the most diverse set of solutions. And I actually think most of them are valid. Um, you, you mentioned the, you know, drawing noodles between uh, artboards. As, <laughs> yeah, as one, as, yeah that's, that's a lot of tools are heading that way. That's um, XD is like that. Um, Adobe XD I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, Flinto, I think, was one of the earlier ones that was like that. Um, that's sort of one end of the spectrum, and XD is certainly the simplest end of the spectrum. Um, and then at the other end, you have, you've kind of got the Framer, which is like, hey, you write code, um, or Framer and and even Xcode, right? I mean, Xcode with Interface Builder is really not that much harder than Framer. And if you're kind of already building stuff in Framer, to write Swift isn't that much of a jump, but all of a sudden you're now writing code, so... I, I, I actually like the fact that there's diversity in prototyping tools. And in, in fact, I, I think that's a good thing. In, in One of the approaches we've taken with Scala is to not include prototyping because I think it's probably best served mm-hmm. by these specialty tools because mm-hmm. I, I think people need to choose the right one, um, not only for themselves, but also for the task. I use principle a lot for like single really small mm. interactions it's great for that in five minutes i can knock up just the a one interaction or one animation i never use it for anything bigger than that um <clears throat> because i i think that's sort of that's that's its sweet spot it's really great at doing single interactions um right yeah so i, I don't know I, I i certainly don't have all the answers but i think the way the industry is heading as you mentioned is sort of everyone is trying to chase the current leaders um, or the, the leaders in terms of having the attention. And, and right now that's um, probably Sketch and, and possibly Envision as well. So there's a lot, of, mm. a lot of similar ideas appearing. Oh, and Framer as well. A lot of similar ideas appearing in, in, across tools. And I think it's not necessarily mm-hmm. a good thing. I think I'd prefer that they sort of innovated a bit more. Mm. Well, there's, there's also Figmo is another one that's picking up Steam as well. Um, but just to go to, you are mentioning code. And it's funny... I mean, obviously, this has been a long time coming, this shift, and it's constantly churning. But uh, just a few years ago, when this was sort of coming to a head, I think really obviously was around um, flat design. But in particular, uh, and we we, we can probably get to flat design. I'm sure we all have a lot to say on that. Um, But one thing was the no PSD movement. And um, even as early as 2010, I mean, some people even earlier, but this was when it started to become sort of a conversation around design tools and how we need to move beyond Photoshop. Um, One thing in particular was, uh, I think it was Elliot J. Stocks said something along the lines of that he was shocked that there were web designers who couldn't code their own designs and that there's no excuse for that. Um, And the funny thing about that was that back then, he actually referred to coding as doing HTML and CSS. Um, and it's it's just funny because, th- as, as you guys have been saying, things are fragmenting so much that, in a way, like a, HTML and CSS doesn't really get you that far as far as if you want to prototype. If you want to prototype, you've got to code in a much more complex way than just HTML and CSS. That's, you know, and at that point, you may as well just be using something like Sketch or Figma in terms of process and what's required to actually put something out today right yeah i agree with that i mean just getting back to the no psd thing that 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 makes me so angry (laughs) (laughs) it's like you just you should use whatever tool is gets you the result the fastest and Mm. and gets you the the best results and i um i've got no problem with people building their you know running their own code or 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 using html and, and javascript and css if that's what they're familiar with but at the same time i find thinking this you've got to kind of separate the thinking from the implementation and and i find a lot of people who jump into the the code straight away um can miss the step of the the thinking step and and they end up with code that they have to keep changing um which if if they're super comfortable with it and they're happy refactoring that's totally fine but if they're if they're not forcing people into not use some kind of visual design tool that is actually quite good at 
visual design and and changing and forget it we don't have to be talking about psds here we could be talking about a sketch file right to work something out um or, or, or figma as you mentioned I, th- I think that that initial step where you, you're working stuff out and you're iterating quickly is is absolutely vital and to jump straight into code can be the right choice if you're quick at it, but it can be the wrong choice as well. So, I, yeah. The, the no PSD thing, uh, it, it really speaks to, I think, a failure of design tools where, you know, some of the arguments about, you know, starting HTML and just kind of staying there, it was, I think it was mostly about you know, if you have something like a grid or a table or something that's kind of a repeating dynamic element, uh, it's super annoying to use design tools without either some plugins or, or tricks or hacks or whatever to, you know, build that out. Uh, so if you have, you know, a, a feed design, for example, um, you know, the idea of kind of doing an HTML because you can just, you know, kind of style it, you know, write the HTML once and copy it over and just kind of tweak the CSS and see, you know, 15 elements, you know, in sequence, change in real time and adjust each other. I think that's really the, I think that was the, the reason or the, the rationale behind it, at least. Um, and it, I think it's just a failure of design tools. I mean, <laughs> design tools, especially for kind of flow-based layouts, um, really need to work for designers in a way that you can update things and everything below that just seamlessly updates and, you know, takes the same styles, you don't have to manually reposition things or, or whatever. And that that's really a, a gap that I've seen, uh, you know, in some of them, I think uh, Subform and, and, and some other ones have, have come out or are coming out that are trying to uh, approach that in a novel way. But, but still, it's really a lot of hacks and plugins and whatnot to get you know, the, the larger design tools to just make that happen. Um, what do you think about that, that dynamism where, you know, you have 15 things in a row and you want to kind of update them and have them all, you know, behave like it's HTML. Do you, do you think a design tool should, should help out with that? Or, you know, what, what's your take on kind of that dynamism in the design? Yeah, I completely agree with your assessment from start to finish. So it's, it's, I understand why I agree why. And I think, yeah, it's a failure of the tool. I mean, there's no reason why a design tool couldn't do this stuff. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd like I'd like our tools to be better. That's that's the, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Well, it reminds me of Brett uh, Brett Victor, um, the old Apple, uh, the former Apple prototyper, uh, who's really his his life mission is is to let everybody know that software engineering and 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 software development has been the same for like forty years, and you know his prototypes and his his ways of uh, approaching software development. I think really speaks. It's the same thing I think as our design tools. I mean, we're very, in, in many, many, many ways we're we're using the same paradigms for design tools that have been around since the mid '90s and you know the early 4.x versions of Photoshop. You know, with layers and this is on top and opacity and whatever. It's not directly designing the thing and. and Brett Victor's, you know, prototypes where it's you're di- directly affecting the values, not writing code. You're just saying, hey, I want this fish to be more intelligent or swim this way or whatever, not writing, you know, vector code where it's, you know, the vector math goes this way and you change the direction to go that way. It's more direct manipulation. Um, and that revolution <laughs> has not come to our design tools yet. And it, it feels like it's ripe uh, for that. It, it does, but I, I also have the same problem with that as I do with prototyping in that you know what you're creating most of the time is going to be thrown out. Mm-hmm. Most of the most of the stuff won't exist. The, the, the final assets that will actually get used in the production app um, will not be the thing that the actual design document you know so if you any any time you spend investing in working out responsive layout um or, or working out animation or working out other dynamic elements as you mentioned even like some kind of um timeline view with multiple posts and handling whatever dynamic widths of username or whatever it is um all of that is is probably going to be thrown out and rewritten as code so really it's it's a matter of at, at what point do you decide that's enough now we're going to write real code Mm -hmm. um or are you assuming that the design tool can then build something that you can use as real code and if you are then what are you building for are you building 
right. CSS. If you're building CSS, what technology are you using under CSS? Is it Flexbox? Is it Grid? Is it Percents? Is it mm. Rems? Is it Pixels? Um, if you're not building for CSS or you're building across multiple different things, then are you building auto layout? And what flavor of auto layout? Or are you building uh, Android XML layout format? And, and all of a sudden <laughs> you start end up having to deal with platform, not only platform features, and do you want the tool to have some kind of subset or superset of those features? Uh, you're also dealing with platform bugs, OS versions, and that's, that's kind of why I, I, I don't mind prototyping being um, pretty loose and very much to sort out the thinking, not to sort out the actual production. And every time I see some of these the, some of these tools or the conversation heading to the point where someone's like, I just want the tool to do everything and then I want to export code, I freak out and I think we don't need Dreamweaver from the 90s again. It just that did not work <laughs> out well. And, and it's not that that will never work out well. It's just that it's okay if you're building Squarespace. It's, it's okay if you're building certain types of, of, of things. But generally I feel like, except for the, the, the really mainstream templated approaches, I think that's not going to work out well. So I... I'm, I'm quite happy to, to have a very hard line in the sand where anything beyond a certain point is not handled by the design tool and you have to be using the, the platform tools and you have to start writing code. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was, that reminded me of a, there was a comment on, it was the Envision Studio uh, thread on Designer News. And there was a comment, I think one of the top comments, uh, Tom Reinert had a comment, I'll kind of paraphrase it, but basically... Um, he was saying that, you know, we're still designing screens and pages, uh, not living products with, with hover states and drop-down menus and any intelligence or, or logic. You know, we're still building tools that say, click this and then show this screen. Not, this component here has four states, and when this one state is activated, I want that to affect uh, this thing over here in a, in a very native way, you know, to, to achieve that. And most tools today, it's it's a lot of dragging and setting things and, and whatnot. Versus, you know, is there a like a live view of our of our design um, where the the editing is you can move things around and then you flick a, a switch and you know every button has a hover state and a click and every drop down has this and uh, you know what's what's your what's your take on on that this kind of living document versus all this extra effort to to make simple things possible. I think you have to be really, again, you have to be really careful with that. And the living document is the iOS simulator and the Android emulator and the live browser refresh. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you've got to be super careful because the amount of investment in, let's just say you have a design tool that does all that stuff and you've built your product in this design tool. Now the design tool has, it's running on a desktop computer or a laptop or even, even an iPad, whatever. And it's, it's running in an environment where, things are possible that either the platform does for free for you and they look slightly different in the design tool or the platform doesn't do it and that might be three months of coding to get something that you just turned right. on a few checkboxes in your design tool so i think the, the problem is the the detachment from the actual platform features and and even still even if you did have all that stuff working that the platform is constantly evolving i i, I just think we we need to get away from the idea that a design tool can do everything and we don't need developers <laughs> because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you just, you're setting yourself up for a world of pain. If you, if you think you're going to be able to make something that looks like the final product, you can present it to the client and what you have is essentially, you know, it's going to be some turd of a prototype that really is no good to anyone and the developer's just going to have to redo it all anyway. And yeah. I, I just, I, th- I think we've, we've been on this path before. I mean, Mike, you're a great example of this because you understand the, the design and development side so well. Um, you're quite happy to sort of jump over to code at the point you feel comfortable doing so. So you understand that the, the, the danger of having a prototype that you may have spent months and months on getting all this stuff right and build a full what looks like a functioning app but is basically just a hollow shell yeah. you know isn't is, is probably a very dangerous place to be you know, i think it's not it's not something i personally want from a design tool um i understand people do want that and i think there's value in it if you sort of take the approach that you might be building something like a squarespace app app builder or a squarespace for you know squarespace, squarespace is for websites so you know, some kind of templated design, but I really, I, I just don't see that as being a good future for design tools. And I think if anything, we've, 
we've gone backwards in terms of visual design and performance and and quality of of the actual tools we use they've it's gone backwards from from photoshop really is mm-hmm. you know so i i i'd see the 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 areas i'd like to improve further are more to do with um more to do with visual design than actually having live prototypes yeah i think that no that's actually on point and i and i, it, I from from my experience what i've seen is the designers and the design teams that really kind of um, achingly create these extremely detailed, exquisite prototypes, um, you know, these fake kind of approximations of things. It, it, I think it scales linearly with the size of the team. And does a designer at that company or on that team feel like their work, their des- design is a means to an end where the end is the, 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 the final product that's built out? Or do they feel like the thing they're creating is, is the end? You know, for example, you know, you see extremely detailed uh, origami prototypes, uh, framer prototypes with, you know, say hundreds of nodes in origami or just thousands of lines of code in framer. Um, is is the goal to ha- start that conversation with your developer and then kind of work side by side to to build it out for real, or is the goal to 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 build a, a cathedral of a prototype? that everybody sees as incredible and then you're you kind of mentally check that box off well i'm done with that you know here, here you go design you know development team and i it I, I feel like the larger the 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 company and the larger the design team the more i see these extremely elaborate prototypes and they're it's not being done to make the developer's life easier um because if that was the goal then the designer wouldn't create this you know again cathedral over prototype they would say, sit next to the developer side by side and kind of tweak things with them and talk about spring timings and whatnot, not build this, build this thing out that cannot be kind of copy and paste and reused, um, just to, you know, show it off in a, in a, in a big demo or big meeting. Right. Do you think that's, do you think it's to do with, um, the, the structure of the teams? Because there, is it that the designers are sitting in a separate building or separate offices and that's and they're not being paired up with developers to, to work on things, or do you think it's something else? Well, I think it's the mentality and the structure, right? I think you can probably have if the company has the right mentality, where where design and development are kind of you know hip and hip to create the the final thing. Then I think the 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 physical uh, limitations or you know organizational boundaries you know wouldn't really get in the way. But I, I think it's I think it's more of a mental uh, a mental thing. As far as uh design companies, I mean, I think that there certainly is a lot of complex prototyping, but one thing in particular that I find interesting is the uh, the design systems movement. And I think a lot of what we're talking about really comes down to the, the way that design systems converge with the actual process of making stuff and so making designs in the first place. And so um, in terms of being able to code, I think we've moved really far from having people saying that you have to code, every designer has to code every given design that they're going to make. I mean, there still is a Meng, Mengto, or I think it's, I believe that's how you pronounce it. He's he's making a new book um, on how to make Swift uh, and iOS apps, and that's great. Um, and I think there's always going to be that, that sort of desire to bring your designs to life. But I think in an, another way, we've also seen just this flourishing of public and open source design systems. And we have sort of new needs, but people feel more comfortable sharing that stuff. And I think the tools are also evolving in that in that direction, whether it be component libraries, things like that. And in a way, I think that's where a lot of the progress is happening. Although everybody's converging on it, it's no longer about whether you can prototype a given page, it's more how do you think in these broader in these broader pictures, and also that's where um, a lot of people are looking to parametric design systems or design tools rather, uh, where you can adjust one thing and then it will change it everywhere. And I guess it gets back sort of to the dynamism that we were discussing, where uh, if you have if you have you don't want to have to update these things a thousand times, but you don't necessarily have to have it in code in order to have that dynamism. Um, and maybe you don't have a data table that is dynamic per se. I mean, it's possible. Um, I'm sure that some of the tools are definitely working on that. But 
you can be dynamic to a certain degree and yet not lose sight of what you're trying to do, which is be a little bit loose and also be able to tap into those larger systems. Yeah, I think I think it's a good trend. I, I'm 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 all for that, and I think that um, you still you still do end up with some sort of sync issues between what, however the design system is described, and the libraries or whatever you want to call it in the the different design tools, and and the actual live code. So that's that's sort of uh, that's that's a bridge that would be kind of nice if there was some kind of more it was more connected. But um, yeah, I think I think that that is actually that is a healthy trend. And I, I, I agree with you yeah. in that um, I don't necessarily think that they have to be completely live updating, but it, you just want it to be easy to make global changes. That's really what it comes down to. So it's not like it's actually running uh, some kind of live version of the thing you're creating. It's more that you, you just have easy abilities to make to make global changes. Yeah, we have a, a kind of a challenge, uh, some projects I've been working on around um, you know, where, where is the master copy of, of the component, the thing you're designing or, or building? Because the, you know, to a developer, the master copy is, say, the, you know, the React component that they kind of copy and paste into the, the page that they configure. Um, because, uh, you know, a design system can change in an elaborate way and be saved and, uh, you know, an email can go out announcing <laughs> the new version of, of this design, this component in the design system. But if it's not, built as, as a component that can be uh, used by developers to drop into the product, um, then then really that's not the master copy, right? The master copy is kind of the, the thing that was built in the product. And I think that's one of those gaps that is is becoming la- uh, more apparent now that we're designing with systems and these, these shared components. The There's this lag... Uh, between say updating a design system from a, from the design side and when it gets built out or updated in the in the code side and that that lag that lag between them is I think based on resourcing and uh, organizational boundaries uh, it's it's actually I think a challenge for many companies to uh, try to drop some work into a sprint to update a component that was totally fine and working last week, but now has some slight design tweaks because the system was updated. That's a kind of a hard sell uh, if you're trying to really move the needle from a, from a feature perspective. And I, I don't think it's really been nailed. I know I think John Gold and some other folks have been working on uh, code that that generates uh, sketch components, and then that code could potentially be used as as the master. But we, I know some developers have been looking at that, and it's not not quite there in the sense that it, there's no perfect solution. There's no single master solution yet. Um, and that feels like it, that, that problem is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger as design systems become the thing that we talk about and, and use. Yeah, and there's a whole bunch of unit testing, accessibility testing, other stuff around that anyway. So it's not like you, you don't really want to just go and tweak the whatever it is, the component, and then have it go through the entire you know waterfall of, of production changes and, and just somehow end up in the code i'm not necessarily sure you want that either because you want the checks and balances in place so and also going the other way is interesting where you mentioned john gold starting with um with airbnb where they they generate sketch files from from react components that's that's really cool but then i worry that now you're writing code instead of using a visual design tool to create <laughs> right. visual components um Again, I understand exactly why they've done it. I think in their their instance, it's probably a great idea, but it's you know all of a sudden you just you, people aren't really using Sketch. You know what's what's the point if you're not using Sketch? Right, right. now you have designers writing JavaScript <laughs> to save and live update Sketch, which live updates the the browser, or <laughs> it's like abstractions on top of abstractions. Yeah, yeah, and, and like yeah. I said, it's a partial solution. I understand. You know, nothing's exactly there yet, so um, I'm not going to judge them too harshly for that. But uh, it it's it doesn't feel like a final solution to me. It seems like there's a perpetual conflict between between wanting this sort of industrial uh, approach and then also wanting the flexibility to be able to de- design something new. And I haven't yet seen, I mean, I guess with Figma, there is the collaborative uh, mode where you can both be in the same document. But again, like having this translation issue, um, even within visual design and, and one visual designer and another visual designer, not even involving code at all, um, I think in a way we want to have everything 
come out in 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 some sort of predictable way. But in in a sense, I I don't know if that necessarily matches the process. I think that we need to have some more room for exploration mm. and. If we try to systematize everything down to the last pixel, um, and not have have ways of of exploring different component styles or um, having having that flexibility, I think is really important. And I'm not sure that, in in a way, I guess maybe returning to the flat design question, um, we, we this is all coming from that motivation of wanting not to have so much exploration and to just be be able to have some regularity to it um and and maybe that simplifies things too much and so now we're now i'm I'm not sure what the answer is but i think in a way we're getting we could get too restrictive if if we get if we allow any of these particular constraints to overwhelm one or the other i I think that the the flat design trend in in at least part was obviously a, a reaction to the complexity of of these issues designing for multiple platforms multiple device sizes having trying to have some kind of component design system all of these things are are good but obviously it made made everyone's jobs so much harder um and 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 obviously we needed some new tools and the new tools came out and they've invested most of their time uh, as i was talking about but the sort of the main three tenants of what we need um as as designers which is the you know the visual design the layout and the prototyping i I think what they've done is they've heavily um invested in in the layout and the prototyping but not necessarily the visual design so i think it's mostly just a case because the, the the trend and the tools haven't caught up to even for that to even be a thing i mean if a lot of these new tools are really great at drawing rectangles and circles they're (laughs) they're okay at typography but anytime you go (laughs) slightly outside that anything that requires any kind of even really sort of intermediate level masking forget it they'll most of them fail um and if i'm going to single out one of them (laughs) it's it's going to be adobe xd i mean the, the others you know figma and sketch are actually um pretty mature in terms of features in comparison to a lot of the other new tools and i think xd is for me is the shock i've i've yeah i've been using xd a lot more recently just to build some some templates and um i was just shocked at how shallow it is and and really how much isn't there and and that that's it's it's kind of frustrating because I, I I want these new tools. I want new tools to be better. I don't want them to be worse. And there's there's just so much I'd have to give up if I if I switched full time to XD. So, um, you know, maybe that's just because they haven't had time to build it yet. But um, given that they're 1.0 now, I feel like we can start being a little bit more critical of them. Yeah, I like the way you put the the kind of the three tenets of of the design tool, and it's it's kind of like leveling up a, and <laughs> like a role playing character, right? They XD really uh, invested heavily, I think, in uh, in prototyping and, and layouting, and they didn't have percentage points left over for yep. uh, for visual design, right? And, and it's and and honestly, it's how how simple of a vector tool set. Uh, can a, a design tool have and still be okay for say the eighty percent or, or whatever? Um, and it, it something that I, I find at least a little heartening and, and good is how uh, and, and I'm not really an icon artist, but I can appreciate some of the interesting vector shortcuts that Figma um, has been has been working on to make uh, some operations and some movements a little bit more organic feeling than, uh, than other tools have. And it seems like Figma is investing in some of those little nuance areas of uh, vector point manipulation for small icon work that people who are just doing, you know, a round rect with a border or whatever um, are probably not going to use. And and honestly, that's, that's really me. You know, I'm, I'm not, down in the details much uh kind of hand tweaking uh bezier curves but i'm you know i have lots of friends that are you know kind of killer icon designers and you know i appreciate that figma's trying to do something there and and the stuff that figma's doing in in that part with the vector points and some of the interesting manipulations that's obviously something that adobe xd will will never invest in that's just not where they're kind of going you know right I mean, another thing as far as XD and and these sort of base core fundamental features, um, 
And this also applied until recently to uh, to Framer, although Framer is, is sort of in a different category. It's coming out from the opposite direction. In, in a way, XD is saying we're a visual design tool that does prototyping, and Framer is saying we're a prototyping tool, and now we're doing visual design. Um, but you know, in, in both of these tools, uh, I believe XD started out and it didn't have background blur, which, I mean, if you're going to be a visual design tool post iOS 7, it, you pretty much have to include some, I, I mean, it also Microsoft uh, Fluent now has uh, some vague relationship to uh, the background <laughs> blur effect that iOS 7 had, um, which also, if we we're going to be historically accurate, also goes back to... Um, you know, Windows Vista and the uh, arrow effect. But in any case, ultimately, like, yes, maybe it's a decade old or more, but, you know, any modern design tool that wants to have, you know, have visual design chops needs these sort of basic features. And a similar case was with um, multiple drop shadows. So in a way, Sketch had that grandfathered in because Sketch pre-existed flat design. Um, but and so they have multiple shadows and multiple inner shadows, and that's great. I mean, I use them all the time. But in a way, it seems like the visual design is coming a distant second for most of these tools. And when they do come out with these basic core features that, you know, layer styles are not something that should be, I think, should be celebrated, uh, particularly, unless you're doing something really novel. Um, but as far as these expected ones, uh, either they don't include them for a long time, for potentially years, uh, or and then when they do launch them, it's it's supposed to be a big celebration. I, I, I think that we the priority is missing there in a way. I, I completely agree with everything you've said, except I'd add something else. I think what's even more shocking is that almost none of these tools are color managed, including XD. Mm. That you know, coming from Adobe, I, I, I out of all of their apps, I can't think of one that is not color managed. There's um, Illustrator, Photoshop, Lightroom. Uh, After Effects, Premiere, these are all light managed because they're all professional tools. XD is not color managed. That is just, it's sh shocking. They have, the, they have the skills there at the company. They have a team of around 300 working on it and it's not color managed. So I, I, while I, I'd love to have multiple drop shadows and other stuff, um, I think that for me is an even more basic feature that is absolutely essential today. And there are so many people being being harmed by using tools that are you know i use harmed very very loosely there but, but their, 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 their work is is then what then what they're seeing on the canvas doesn't reflect how it's going to look on the device and they're they're having other kinds of issues um relating to color management and i think coming from adobe that is completely inexcusable on in other tools there's reasons why you may be a little bit more lenient but um yeah again i i know i'm being pretty harsh on xd here but i I expect quite a lot from the, the the maker of the tools I use and someone who's supposed to be the industry leader with the most money. So I, yeah, I think yeah. I think color management is something that again, all the none of the, almost none of the new tools have it. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? What how does that affect uh, a design in a practical sense if they don't have color management? Right. Okay. So if you're if you're choosing colors and what you see on the so you're, you're choosing colors you're using let's just say a, a modern mac that has a display p3 screen which is is wide gamut um if the the design tool assumes that the colors you're picking are in the screen's color space and it's not doing any conversion no color color management what that means is on a wide gamut screen the colors you're seeing are incredibly um, vibrant and sat more saturated than they would be on the device. Um, if it's color managed, then the, the software would account for that and it would know that you're picking colors within a certain color space and it would do the conversion so that they look as closely as possible on the canvas on your Mac as they do, you know, in the final product, whether it's in a web browser or on a iOS or Android device or wherever. And is that based on the canvas size that you have, for instance, like an artboard, or how does it know what the output device is going to be? Uh, so most platforms are based on sRGB. So if you were trying to take the, the cheapest shortcut, basically you would just assume that colors chosen are sRGB. Um, there's, you can go far beyond that if you want. And 
to, to almost to a fault, uh, Adobe's other tools have full color management support where you can do pretty much anything, and it becomes very difficult to configure. But at least at least you can set it up so it's so it's correct. Whereas a lot of these other tools, mm. um, so if you're using XD um, or Sketch or Figma or I can't yeah, there's most of them really. Um, if you if you pick a color, it's going to look just too vibrant on on uh, display B three screen, and then you'll see it on device, and it'll be incorrect. Mm. And that's okay. that's kind of important. It's you know <laughs> picking colors is one of the basics. Right, right. It's, I mean, it's not an easy problem to solve. That's why again, I, I'd I'd be more forgiving with with some of the other newer tools. And there's there's other reasons why maybe that is acceptable initially, but certainly where the industry is heading, um, it's it's going to be far more important in the future. Yeah, I was talking to Eli um, earlier today about uh, Twitter apps and, and and design tools and how um, for for Twitter for third party Twitter apps, there's kind of this this baseline, this table stakes of I don't know 150 features that you essentially have to have, like logging in, multiple accounts, direct messages, liking, favoriting, you know, the gamut. Um, and design tools are, are really the same thing, but re- multiplied by a much larger factor. Um, there's this kind of entire baseline of, of functionality you need to have. Um, and I, I think that's what Eli was kind of referring to, where tools come out and they announce they have this new feature. And the, the, the response that people should have is, well, that is a table stakes feature for a professional design tool in 2017. Uh, you're just you're celebrating that you did not have that, and I think color profiles is one, but other things coming out like gradient support and framer. Not to you know harp on it again, but uh, you know certain things. If you were to say that you are a a design tool that people are going to give money for, there are these 500 things that you basically have to support. Uh, as a table stakes thing. And then beyond that, you can differentiate, you know, you can't, you don't earn the right to differentiate until you hit the basics. And I'm surprised about the color profile management in XD, just knowing how deep that technology runs at Adobe. Did they on purpose disable it or did they write new, uh, color code from scratch and not use anything from their like 30 years of experience? seems very odd. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you with the, the table stakes. And I think it's if you're creating Google Docs for design tools, that's fine. You can obviously strip a whole bunch of stuff back and you can have a pretty strong opinion on, on which features you, you get to ignore. But if you're actually targeting professionals and, you, and you're, you're expecting to be used on, um, you know, by large and small tech companies to, to build the cutting edge applications, then yeah, forget it. You have to have more. You really do. Yeah. Or, or at least be in a position where you can hand off some stuff to another tool, as we, we, talk, we were talking about before. You know, prototyping, I think, is for me, that's the one that is the, it can be a nice module that's quite separate. It doesn't necessarily have to be part of the main tool. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've, I've worked for a long time without it being part of the main tool. And I think yeah, I'd, I'd rather something that did the other stuff really, really well rather than trying to have everything all. Yeah. All in one, but yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree with you. You, and it's it 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 really is shocking that some of these announcements, <laughs> and and that's for me that's the sometimes it's the first time I learned that they didn't have the feature for the last two years. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what are you talking right. about? How could you not have had that? Well, it's it's interesting you mentioned that in terms of XD because I mean, and and we've I don't know we haven't really touched too much on the Envision Studio. I haven't gotten to look into it, and I don't know how much has really been. Uh, announced. Right. I mean, there's certainly the product page, but I don't know if anybody's tried the demo publicly. Um, as far as that goes, Envision definitely has prototyping chops, and that is certainly uh, you know we, we can expect they'll they'll do a pretty good job at that. But it will be interesting to see whether they can, in a similar way to XD, whether they can mount that and uh, and put out something that's compelling as far as the the core visual design competencies go. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that's it, it comes back to this commoditization of these tools, right? You have a prototyping tool that is adding on visual design functionality. And then you have visual design tools that are adding on prototyping functionality. They're all coalescing into... Uh, you can imagine that if you play the story forward uh, for all these tools, they will all basically be the same a few years from now. And it'll be a 
a commoditized market with very simple vector functionality and very similar prototyping functionality and custom bouncing and whatnot, but they're all going to be the same. And that's not where you want to be from a, from a functionality standpoint, trying to stand out. You are now a commodity. You're now the same as Time Warner and Comcast and other carriers. You're just uh, a thing that can be interchangeably swapped out. And that's, it's marching down the wrong path. They're in this this cold war of features, um, and it sounds like you know, Mark, you're taking. I think a personally, I think it's a much smarter view on what's the best visual. You know, what can we do for for visual design and these kind of distinct uh, tenets of what a designer has to do? Not be a you know a jack of all trades, master of none, which is which might be the the tagline for I don't know like fifteen products in our industry now. Uh, but something focused on being great in one in one area. I think it was good of you to mention Time Warner and the cable companies because I think what we're likely to see is consolidation, which which has obviously happened with the the telcos and in the US and the um the cable companies. And I, the the explosion we have right now in new tools probably just means that half of them are going to be bought or die within the next you know next four or five years. Mm-hmm. And and so many of them have been bought already, right? Right, right, right. We've, yeah, we've gone. I feel like we've gone through the the first wave with with prototyping, where there's been what four or five that have gone already. So I, I can't remember all of the Google names. definitely. I think Envision and Google have both purchased uh, or acquired right. uh, prototyping tools. Um, and and it's interesting as well uh, when it comes to business models. Like Figma is um, is a VC funded company. And so they, I believe they have some pretty good free plans as far as their, uh, as far as that tool goes, which I don't know if other tools have that, have that option for people to just pick it up and be able to use it on their own to design whatever they want. And then maybe if they're going to become, if they're going to be an enterprise or a startup or something, then they would start having to pay. But I wonder, I'm curious, what, what are your guys' thoughts on how those things affect what the, the tools are doing. I mean, we're talking about the consolidation of features um, or convergence of features. Um, how, how do you think those business models play into that that dynamic? Um, do you want to take this mic to, yeah, to sure. start off with? Yeah. Um, why, from an indie perspective, like a small team kind of indie perspective, the I, I think the the goal is to is to differentiate in kind of one direction, where you can stand on your own two feet not need to be compared, you know, against the the captain of the industry or the leader, you can really say, hey, I, I, I triple down in this area. And it kind of reminds me of people that get uh, like an advanced degree, like a PhD in a particular area. Uh, there's this graphic where you're kind of, you know, there's like a bubble of, you know, the sum of human knowledge and you're not trying to expand the entire bubble. You're trying to kind of poke a tiny little hole in that particular direction and just make it expand and like a little pinprick. And that's where I see uh, a lot of these smaller indie tools. I, I think that's the the way they could go or the way they, they have been going is to differentiate in this one particular great way. Um, and, and by doing that, you're proving value to a much smaller segment of, you know, the total addressable market, but that particular segment might have money and might care deeply about that one particular thing that you did, that small thing that the leader, you know, hasn't done. And you can, and you can charge that, uh, versus, you know, obviously Figma and, and some of these other tools that are funded. I'm not sure, maybe it's just Figma, but, uh, you know, the, the goal is to not sell it and kind of drive that, short-term revenue, the goal is to have, I think, a very long runway um, and build a, a platform where you uh, can kind of swallow up and uh, be free and kind of suck the air out of maybe the smaller tools and just survive longer such that now you're <laughs> number one by default. Um, but obviously, Mark, you know, you guys have a, you know, I'm sure your perspective on being like a smaller kind of indie shop and building these tools, what's your your, your take on, at least for, for your software? You know, obviously you don't have uh, you know, like in a massive design tool out yet, but for, for iStat menus and, and other tools you guys have had, um, you know, what's your take on uh, selling like a one-time thing or a subscription and then how that bleeds into your thinking around, I guess, design tools and design tool pricing? I, I think no matter what your size or structure, there's always going to be some kind of strategy tax around how you can operate. So if you're, 
obviously if you're Adobe and you're the, the industry leader, um, you end up with some kind of legacy and that actually makes it really difficult to move. So we've, we've seen Photoshop has made many attempts to sort of enter this space and most of them have kind of failed. Design space has now gone away and it seems like Adobe switched up to using XD as their main main strategy for, for getting into this market. So that, that doesn't really sort of leverage from Photoshop's success. It's a, it's Now it's a new thing. And um, that's I think there's been sort of some pain there. Obviously, if you're VC funded, you end up with a bucket load of cash, but you've got to pay that back. And it gives you uh, the ability to, to build out a big team and to try and scale up. But you're you know, your threshold for success is, is now really high. And, and um, I mean, Figma does seem to be going really well. And there's a whole bunch of other VC companies in this space, VC-backed companies in this space. And But I, I just keep thinking that obviously they have to get a certain level of success. Um, and, and success for them also might mean different things. It might mean having lots of subscribers and, and therefore a, a business that's making lots of money or maybe success is an exit. And, um, you know, certainly from a custom point of view, that kind of sucks. And exit doesn't really help me if I'm trying to use the tool. Um, I also think the strategy tax surrounding cloud-based companies is usually for them to try and drive people to, to use their, their cloud-based service, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, the old model, the old tools were very much client-side and, and some of the newer tools... Uh, well, most of the newer tools probably are, um, are now sort of cloud and subscription based. So there's certainly some changes there that um, they impact the way decisions are made and they, they change the incentive structure for, for when you're building the tool and, and in what you include and how it works. And I, I think from our point of view as a really small developer, we we try to use our size as an advantage. So that means we, um, I mean, right. the, the there's some stuff we, we can talk about with Scala. So we're we're going to be you know entirely client side. There's no there's no cloud structure, no no cloud services. We're not trying to sell you on anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I think I think that's really that's really it. I mean, I think all all of them have different advantages for the for the, the strategies. Um, and for us, as also as you mentioned, we we have a a very low threshold for success. So for us, <laughs> if we end up with a, you know, a certain amount of customers, we, we have a small team, we're happy, right. you know, we, we, we're paying the bills, it's, everything's fine. So we don't, what someone else might consider a failure would actually be a, a success for us, which, yeah. yeah, which again, changes things. Um, yeah, it's not necessarily a complete solution. <laughs> when you mention cloud, uh, when you say no cloud, that, that's referring to subscription, not necessarily that it won't have any internet-based features, right? Uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of talking about both because a lot of these new tools are really they're they're web-backed, web-based. They're built on web tech, and and they are very much a, 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 a web service that is being delivered as a client app, a, a client native-ish yeah. app. Um, so for us, it's just a straight native app. There's just no. I guess what I was thinking was in in the sense of design systems, whether you could share those, but I guess there's always Dropbox or things like that. Yeah, I, I think there's there's approaches that work for that. You, you don't necessarily have to have your own cloud. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, that's another thing. I, I, so again, I can <laughs> I can talk about this. <laughs> we're 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 not trying to reimplement the Finder and Dropbox and GitHub. Yeah. And everything else within our product, we're just trying to make a really really good visual design tool, and that's it. Don't you want to be Adobe Bridge? I mean, that was what you you set out to do in the first place, right? You mean the, the keyboard shortcut I've disabled so I don't keep triggering it and getting angry? <laughs> yeah, so, so that's what I'm talking about when I, when I say strategy tax. Obviously, if, you, if you're in a position where your business is set up in a way that you require people to use your cloud and you want them to subscribe for certain reasons, then there are decisions that, that are, get impacted and, and you, you have to make decisions to then amplify that use where we, we kind of don't care because we're just trying to get people, we just want people using the actual tool on their computer and that's it. Yeah, I think that's a great a great strategy. I mean, I, I see a lot of uh, design tools where they build in, say, cloud sharing, for example. Now you have some portion of your, of your team, your designers, your engineers, basically building some totally generic, has nothing to do with design at all functionality that could be, you know, sharing of documents for plumbers, sharing of documents for accountants, sharing, you know, you're not, you're not spending time on the 
the nuances and the craft of the of the thing you built. You're, you're building something off to the side that you think you need to compete with somebody you probably don't need to compete with. Uh, that's I really feel like that's they're marching. A lot of tools are marching down that path. And it's like it's like the emperor, you know, has no clothes. Like a lot of folks in our industry, I think, see that they're just marching towards quantization, not focusing on the craft, the the particular experience that their software uh, delivers. And the desktop versus kind of web thing that you brought up, it's it's so interesting now um, that you know so many services. Uh, and design tools, I don't think we ever really thought we would see a design tool that was just on the web made for professionals versus on the web kind of dragging and dropping things for a blog or something. Uh, and it's just so, it's so odd. And and you see this backlash in designer news comments or hacker news comments or Twitter or what have you around, you know, how much memory this takes up and how could this possibly take up this much space and memory and CPU cycles and what is it doing? And it's like, well, because you're building it on top of an abstraction, on top of another abstraction, on top of the, the something else, and you're finally down to the base metal versus just building desktop apps. And I know we have way more web developers in the world than native Mac developers. But when you're building a tool for professionals where speed and efficiency and memory just has to be at the top because you're in it eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, just taxing it. Why would it be built on web technology unless you're trying to just the simplest, the cheapest way to do it? Yeah, it just boggles my mind, especially for pro tools. Yeah, I mean, there's Figma and, but then, and, and of course, something like Webflow, which is their whole strategy is to have it be all built on web components in the first place. So, uh, you know, HTML and CSS and that sort of thing. But, but also, as, as Mark, you've pointed out, there's Photoshop is starting to build a lot of their real uh, components in HTML itself in in their desktop app not just it's not just figma where that's their entire strategy as well you've got photoshop which you know has its own proprietary code base and now that's going to web technologies as well yeah i think figma is actually a great sort of um anti-example of this because it it actually feels pretty great they've done a good job i i I, I don't think you can get much yeah I don't think you can get much better than what they've done. And um, Photoshop is probably the other end of the spectrum where it's kind of the most terrible example and, a, a, <laughs> you know, something that should be should be held up as a way to not do it. So they're, they're um, I think it started last year, Photoshop CC 2017. The the new document window is, is now HTML, CSS. This is for all the people listening, Mike and Eli, I'm sure know this. Um, so it's HTML, CSS, and it uses uh, Chrome, whatever it is, CEP, Chromium, whatever thing that you can use to build embedded web views that um, use use Chrome. And it takes multiple seconds to open on a really super fast Mac, and it's just horrific. Thankfully, they've they've included a checkbox in preferences that lets you go back to the old new document window. But, um, yeah, that's definitely an, exa- definitely an example of when to not use web tech. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know where this stuff's going, because on one hand, I'm kind of impressed that a lot of this stuff is possible, and, and it's really cool, and I get that it helps certain teams move faster but on the other side i'm just i'm just kind of angry that i've got a really great computer that's only using whatever it is like five ten percent of its potential <laughs> i'm glad you brought up figma actually because um I, it is something we need to call out right it's figma is is really just OpenGL or you know webgl down to the core and they rebuilt their entire typography platform and ui platform um in a in a, in a very impressive way it's not just you know, like the content editable on your on your HTML body, and you can type things in and style whatever. It's really um, kind of a reimagining of the of the base layer, and it reminds me of um, what Lauren Brichter did with uh, with Tweety for Mac uh, back in the day, which became the old version of Twitter for Mac, which they you know outsourced whatever. But the old version of Twitter for Mac, which I still run, uh, it it it's all um, OpenGL. It's 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 his own UI toolkit. Uh, at the at the base metal, it's not using AppKit. It's not using uh, any kind of default components. It's everything from scratch. Just because you know, Lauren, I guess, wanted to uh, stretch the limits, and he worked on kind of the underlying iPhone technology stuff back when he was at Apple. 
Um, and Figma is, is a lot like that where you know, I'm sure there's a, a smart way to take what Figma did and, and I don't know, adapt it to metal or whatever on the desktop side. And now you have a quote desktop app that's all on OpenGL, but it's crazy fast or, or, or something like that. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting that it's a company that has raised money, but has also really stayed true to, I think what their founders wanted to do, which is build this insane architecture uh, on top of WebGL and and, uh, and implement something that I don't think anybody else would care enough to to re-implement, you know, the wheel from scratch. Yeah, yeah. I, you've got that as an example, and then you've got some other tools that just seem to be shockingly slow because of their bad tech choices. Um, I mean, it's not a design tool, but Slack is obviously one example of that. Slack on the desktop where it's just, you know, massive team, tons of money. What are you doing? <laughs> This is terrible. It keeps showing Times New Roman every time I open up the uh, video chat. The the type gets replaced with Times New Roman for no apparent reason. Awesome. Um, but it's it, it it also goes back to that business model question in terms of what you were bringing up, Mike, as far as uh, this this being custom custom uh, built solutions, where if for instance Figma were acquired, um, and some of those team members that built those solutions went off and did other things, then would those customers be kind of left in the lurch because it is it is such a unique um, platform they've built? Yeah, Mark, the the last thing I wanted to, I guess, get your take on is uh, Pixelmator Pro uh, and, and whatever interesting secrecy must be out there uh, for Pixelmator just because, you know, it's it's been around for a while on the Mac. Uh, it's I wouldn't say it's been stagnating, but, you know, really it's clear that that team has been working on something kind of a fundamental rewrite of, of, of Pixelmator and, you know, what it is. Um, but it really seems to be, you know, raster, uh, and, and, and a really kind of down to the bare metal way, um, you know, unapologetically raster, I'm assuming, you know, photo editing. Um, and, and I would love to love to get your take. Obviously, you know, some of you is working on a design tool, but also of, um, what's your take on a, on a Photoshop replacement, not, you know, from a third party, not just a, you know, drawing round wrecks and ovals with a couple of later styles, you know, tool that we've been seeing. And also just to jump in, um, if you could touch on Vectormator too, cause mm. I, that is, it, it is a, it goes back in a way and parallels to the strategy sketch had previously, uh, was it draw it and sketch? Mike and I were talking <laughs> about this the other yeah, day. Draw it. They had, they had one that was bitmap and one that was vector but yeah yeah and draw it was draw it was actually the vector one yeah and sketch was the mm, bitmap try one. it was uh interesting okay they coalesced <laughs> well, that was a long time ago yeah i, th- I think pixelmate is interesting and i, I definitely I, I would recommend it i'd recommend pixelmator i'd recommend acorn i'd recommend um affinity designer and, and affinity photo i think pixelmator is is pretty interesting in that it's um you know where we're talking we we're talking about being based on web tech or being native um or figma even writing a whole bunch of their own stuff using uh, webgl pixelmate is based almost entirely on apple's um apple's graphics library so core graphics core image and also uh, core ml i think now as well and a whole bunch of other stuff for for pixelmate pro and so they're tied to a platform in a very interesting way in that they didn't have to necessarily do all the work, and if you if you go back to the uh, the WWDC videos where the WWDC video where Core Image was being introduced, it was it was quite clear that Apple wanted something like Pixelmator to exist because I think there was a lot of tension with Adobe and Adobe not coming across to to um, you know what was OS ten back in the day and sort of lagging with their tools um, for whatever reason. And so I think Apple were kind of probably not so happy about that, and they remembered that. So they they wrote some frameworks that would allow for tools like Photoshop to be created, and yeah, the end result is is, is Pixelmator, great tool. I I don't necessarily think it's something that I will personally ever use much. Um, I have bought it, I've got it, I use it occasionally, um, but I think it sort of targets very mainstream, and that's that's totally cool. That's that's fine. But I've been using Photoshop a while, um, and there's a lot of stuff in Photoshop that that I need that doesn't exist really anywhere else in any other image editor. Um, Vectormate is interesting, and as I think Eli sort of uh, pointed to, 
Vectormator existed as a mode in Pixelmator quite some time ago where it basically just changed the tools. And I, I think the Vectormator as a separate app is, is likely to do that again where it's really the same underlying engine but there's a different UI on top. Um, much in the same way that uh, I, I don't know if you, you sort of know the genesis of uh, Affinity Designer, but it's, it's, it's very similar where Affinity Designer, Affinity Photo and Affinity Publisher are all based on a, a common engine that they've written, except they've actually written their own engine and it is um, OpenGL based and it runs cross-platform. And so their, their various apps are actually just different UI on top of the same, wow. the same, the same engine. Yeah, so it's it's a good strategy. I think they've 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 picked a a, a great approach. This that's Affinity Designer um, or Affinity Serif, and I think it's going to serve them pretty well going up against Adobe in the very mainstream market. But um, I don't know. I just don't see as good as Affinity Designer is, and as good as Pixelmator is. I just don't see it as any kind of solution to software design. And I think um, the all the issues, all the things that people accuse Adobe of, and and um, for Photoshop, where the tool is just way too generic and it, it doesn't really... Fo- it's a photo editor, right? You know, that's that's always been the, the, the slur against Photoshop. You're just using an image editor. <laughs> and, and, and that's kind of true. And you can sort of configure it to, to behave in other ways, but ultimately it is an image editor. I, I see Pixelmator and even Vectormator as the same kind of... have the same issues, but just without necessarily the deep features that Photoshop has. So you kind of end up with something that is an awesome mainstream image editor that you should recommend but in terms of software design i just i can't see them ever being something that we'd, we would use ourselves mm-hmm. well hey um mark this is uh, it's been great to have you and uh you know it's funny that this finally came together because um you know this this conversation has been a couple of years in the making so uh just in terms of calling out where uh you can you can find more out about uh mark he's uh at mark edwards with a c uh on twitter and then you should also definitely check out ice.menu6 which just came out a few weeks ago um on the bajango website and you can see those in the show notes thanks again thank you very much